And we're back with another CMO Convo, the podcast from CMO Alliance with another conversation with a CMO to get their insights on how to elevate their role. This time, Andrea Linehan, CMO of Currency Fair, is showing us why it's important for marketing teams to stop worrying and learn to love their finance departments. Hi, Andrea. How are you doing today? I'm great, Will. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for asking. I I rarely get asked that question, but it's always nice (laughs) to be asked. Um, So, Welcome to CMO Convo. Uh, today, we're talking about a subject that is going to be important, not just to CMOs, but I think to marketers in general, which is getting marketers on board with finance and vice versa, because it's a it's one of the big things. Like, I think all marketers fear finance to some respect. Like, one of the scary things you can hear as a marketer, those five words, how much is it going to cost? Like, those are the most terrifying things that every marketer fears. So it's really good that we're having this conversation today. But before we get into that, maybe you could introduce yourself, Andrea, and tell us a bit about your, your professional background and your current CMO role. Sure. Uh, so Andrea Linehan, um, Irish. I my, my background, Will, actually is uh, from an academic perspective in finance and accounting. Um, but I decided when I graduated that um, the life of an accountant wasn't for me. <laughs> so I moved over to the Middle East, uh, to Bahrain, um, on a management trainee program with a travel retail company. And it was very much a, you know, you got to spend time in the different departments and they were grooming you to be the next general manager of some international um, airport duty free. Um Fabulous experience, uh, but I I learned uh, pretty quickly that the travel retail industry wasn't for me. Um, So I left Bahrain and moved to Oman. And I I took up a a position as a sales and marketing manager with a destination management company. Now, while I had some basic sales experience throughout my part-time jobs in school and college, um, I had absolutely no marketing experience, but I just thought, Sure. How hard could it be? <laughs> um, wow. Did um, did I learn a lesson fairly quickly? Because uh, it marketing is incredibly complex, and it, I didn't up until that point have an appreciation for um, the the kind of skill set and um, you know planning and execution and strategizing that's actually required. Um, so it was very much uh, my first introduction to marketing, and it was also very much a learn by doing experience. Um, I was the only, you know, supposed marketer in this startup. Um, so it was a lot of trial and error with very little budget. But I, I got, um, you know, it gave me the bug. Um, I moved on then to um, a public private partnership between the Omani government and an Emirati developer. Um, and that was essentially building um, a town, for want of a better word. It was an integrated tourism complex with thousands of residential properties, golf courses, hotels, marinas. So it was um it was all encompassing and really exciting. And but more importantly, it was my first opportunity to actually work. Um, with and for a an experienced marketer. Um, and while I'm a big believer in learning by doing, um, nothing accelerates um, your learning more than actually learning from someone. Um, and I had a, a number of different VP of sales and marketing that I worked 
for um, in my time with that company. And, and each one came with very different strengths. Some of them were much more sales focused and, and commercial. Others were much more about brand building um, and design um, and others more on the, um, the strategic innovation side. So I, I was so fortunate to get this broad exposure to the different facets of marketing. And look, I, I was hooked, to be honest, um, and I really didn't lean into my finance background at all in any of those roles. And when I look back, a big reason for that, Will, is because there was never an expectation on me when I was at kind of um, um, entry level or, or even um, lower mid-management level to really own the numbers in an instrumental way. I owned budgets and very big budgets and I was able to spend um, and I made sure that the, you know, all these great things happened with it, but to get really down into the nitty gritty of what the return investment was, um, it just wasn't a, a, a part of my remit. And that always stuck with me because obviously I watched my VP of sales and marketing obviously have to own um, every last digit and the return on it. Um, um, so it was the first time I recognized that there was a real gap in terms of the training and the responsibility that was being handed down to marketers at the at, at certain levels. Um, and then um, I, again, phenomenal experience with that. I decided then to um, leave the Middle East and do a full time MBA. And really, that was an opportunity Will, for me to kind of say, right, how do I take my finance undergrad, all this sales and marketing experience and, you know, look to see what I want to do is my career going forward. Um, and, you know, got exposure through the MBA to all the different um, functions. And then um, just as I was finishing the MBA, I met the founders of a fintech startup and they were looking for someone to um, build and lead on their sales and marketing function. Um, and that's how I ended up in fintech. And that's how I ended up committing uh, properly to, to sales and marketing kind of saying, yeah, look, this is this is where I need to be. And I've been in fintech and as a CMO now for, for nearly seven years. So it's, it's, it's quite an interesting route to the your position now um particularly the the finance background so it's a, it's an unusual one for for a marketer do you think it gives you a certain philosophy with how you pr- approach the cmo role how you approach marketing in general that might be different than other marketers it, it there's a number of ways i have found that it has really benefited me um one is even in the vernacular so just the, the language around finance um is something that i I, I'm very familiar with, I'm very comfortable with. Um, I can talk about it um, very easily and I'm not afraid of it. Um, and I think that has really stood for me. It stood for me in both ways. One, you know, even having conversations with CFOs and CEOs um, around that side of marketing uh, probably comes a bit more naturally to me. Um, and even then, in particular, working in fintech. Uh, because you know you're selling financial services, which tend to be um, dripping in all of these um, uh, financial terminology. So having the familiar with that also is has really benefited me. Um, but look, I have to say I was out of that game for quite a while. You know, um, when I was in my twenties, it was really only when I came back into fintech that my and moved into a CMO role that my need to to uh, re-familiarize myself with all of that I came back and like it's like a muscle you know I um you know you you got to get back into the practice of it and remind yourself um of 
of that side of the house. Um, but it probably came back to me a bit quicker because of having that um, that underpinning and that foundation early on. So you, you naturally have this sort of inherent lack of fear for the um, uh, for the finance side of of the business. Is that something you're instilling in your in your marketing team in your marketing department? Is that something you're, you're trying to carry on with, like how you build your team and how they how they work? Because you, you said it's not something you'd had to think of really until you reach a CMO role. But for a lot of marketers, they don't have that background, they don't have that familiarity. So, is it valuable for you to be training your marketing team to take ownership of finance at an earlier stage? Yeah, absolutely. And I I actually start with the empathy piece first. So when our finance team are making requests of our marketing team, um, I'll, I'll take some time to, to really help my team understand why, why the finance team are, are asking for that information. What is the need that they need to fill in their own role to ask for that makes them ask for it? And I, and I get my team to lean into the persona side of things. You know, if this was a customer, you'd be taking the time to really understand what that finance person needs as a potential customer. So let's do the same here um, with our internal colleagues. So I, I've started off there. The second thing um, I've made sure to do is have those conversations with all levels of my team. Um, I give um, every line item in the marketing budget um, has been assigned to somebody in my team to take ownership of. And while I'm the ultimate um, last line of defense in terms of final sign off and approval, so I'll, I'll always have that layer of protection for my team. I, I will I will look to them to explore and f- and figure out the answer or the right decision uh, rather than just giving to them. So an example of that might be um, my operations team, you know, owning the marketing um, technology line items. And when it comes to renewal, for instance, rather than sending it to me and say, Andrea, well, can we renew for another year? Do you mind signing this? I'll say, well, you know, take some time, you know, talk to me about the usage of the technology over the last year. You know, uh, how much manpower did, did your team spend on using it? And I get them really to think about the um, the return on effort as much as the, the return on investment of these things. And I turn it into a, a conversation and I don't expect them to have the answers of it. But if you at least give them the space to go away and have a think about what that cost means, um, the fear starts to lessen because it's it's not a place of expecting them to know the answer. It's it's asking for their um, experience of it or even their qualitative experience of what that um, return on investment is for that particular technology. And it just helps tiptoe towards that you know, bigger question of, uh, OK, what is the ultimate financial return on investment here? Um, so that's how I, I tend to approach it with my team. And I'll do that at all layers. That's not just my senior managers. I'll go right down to my more junior team members. And, you know, if we're taking on a, a, a portfolio of freelancers, for instance, um, for design work, you know, I will ask my junior designers, well, if, if you're going to lean on them to help with some of our um, surge needs, then, you know, um, let's talk a little bit about why you would value this person, this freelancer over that freelancer. And let's look at the cost per hour and, you know, take on a bit more of um, a marketing agency approach or an advertising aging approach and start looking at the um, the cost per hour um, uh, 
and from that perspective. So it's not just all about marketing spend um, in advertising dollars, which I think tends to be the headline um, discussion that um, um, is between the finance and the marketing team, but it's obviously much more in depth than that. So do you, do you find getting them involved in this kind of process at an early stage helps the, the work between the finance department and the marketing department? Are, are the, are, is your marketing finance department better aligned than certain other companies, do you think? Um, I mean, I know you don't necessarily know all the inner workings of other companies, but do you, do you think it is a process that's working well for you, like in terms of getting finance on board at an early stage, getting people confident speaking about the financial side of things when it comes to your marketing department? I definitely do. And uh, look, I can attest that at the C-suite level, I'm I'm very fortunate that our CFO at Currency Fair also has a, a deep interest in marketing, looks at it as an investment. So is always interested to learn about the, the gray area parts that won't necessarily correlate in a, a direct return on investment. So we're able to have those deeper investment and you know business value conversations. Um, what I think has benefited then um, for both of our teams is that we have stopped this um, up to the top and back down again conversations. And it's opened the door that now the finance manager can talk directly to the marketing manager. They don't need to be going through me and the CFO for all of these. They're able to have an open conversation and, and they're less afraid to ask the questions about something that they don't know. And I think actually even just the relationship building there is incredibly important. Um, and it tends to naturally happen across other functions. You know, marketing and product work really closely together. Marketing and sales work very closely together. Customer service work closely together. So you have these friendships and relationships that build up which which turns it into a much safer place for those you know I don't understand what that means questions come up but then when the finance team you don't have that same type of relationship you shy away and that's where the fear comes in so um our CFO and I we've we've done a lot of work to make sure that there is there there's a relationship there and there's an open door um, and I think that makes all the difference so was that was that something you you entered the company with in mind was to have the sort of strong relationship with the CFO or is that just something that's naturally evolved out of having that particular CFO? Is, is it something that all CMOs should be having is setting up these kinds of good relationships with a, a CFO? I absolutely went in with that mandate in mind. And, you know, if I look back to even when I was interviewing for the role, it was the the very first thing that I, I said to um, the team was, look, I'm coming in here as a business builder first. I just happened to be bringing marketing as my discipline of expertise to the table. And it was really important for me that the, the team of peers, the C-suite that I was about to join, understood that and that. Um, and I think that's really important. And I think that goes for all functions in the C-suite. We, we are a team of business builders and we're bringing these different um, expertise to the table. Um, and and I, that was a major part of the conversation. And, you know, even um, having the conversation with the CFO at that stage and, and of course, the, the CEO, 
it was as much of me interviewing those people to understand, is this how they think as CEOs and CFOs? You know, how do they look at marketing and rate marketing? Do they see it as a cost center or as an investment opportunity to build business value, build brand value? Um, and that's what led to my decision of taking on this role. So um, it wasn't a happy accident by, by any means. And I've worked, I've worked in places where, um, you know, marketing is very much seen as the cost center and, you know, um, the the emphasis on uh, causation where you spend A and you get B needs to be absolutely black and white. But the reality of marketing is it's much more of a correlation that if you spend A, B is likely to happen, but only if C and D also happen to happen, but we don't have direct influence over C and D. And look, that is pretty mind-blowing for anybody who who isn't comfortable with the ambiguity and the um the testing that goes on in in marketing in particular it needs somebody who is as a finance person who is much more open-minded of maybe innovative um to kind of appreciate that so I look for that. I look for that in the peers that I work with. I look for that when I'm hiring, Will. Um, I look for that open-mindedness. I don't expect people coming into my team to have a finance background. I don't expect them to have tons of experience in it, but I do want them to be open-minded to it, um, open to learning. And, you know, it's as much about the attitude um, as it is the aptitude to, to learn and want to understand. And like I look at, when I think about my designers, my content marketers, my product marketers, um, you know, all, all facets of the marketing piece, you know, it's, if you want to eventually be a CMO and then a CEO, right? The fundamentals of needing to understand um, uh, that finance and marketing um, overlay is really important. But I would say to um, to marketers that they don't need to boil the ocean in terms of their understanding. There are areas of finance that they can choose to become familiar with that help them on their particular career uh, vertical. So let me give you an example of that. Um, if you happen to be a marketer who is very driven by very nice salaries early on in your career, I'd highly recommend then getting super close to um, the revenue generating functions and really super close to, um, you know, those direct knowing CPLs and CPAs and cost across requisition, really understanding the, the metrics around that is become, going to become incredibly important. If you're someone who, you know, eventually likes to see uh, going into a CEO role, for instance, and it's much more about wanting that generalist power, influence, business building, um, business value building, you know, things about understanding brand valuation, um, the ISOs for brand valuation, what that means from the behavioral analysis, the um, income market cost approach, the um, the, the legal side of it, you know, there's a, a an emphasis that can go on there. And then you have another side of the house where you have people who are, are marketers who are much more interested in the so, social impact part of either the company they work for or they're going into not-for-profits. So on that side of the house, um, you know, the, the need to understand value for money and 
economy, efficiency, effectiveness of your marketing dollar is going to be much more important. So there's there's ways for marketers, I think, to, to box clever in terms of where they decide to upskill and gain knowledge. Um, and they can absolutely correlate it with the area of marketing that they want to get into. And I think that's quite helpful. But I will say, Will, one of the biggest challenges for marketers um, is there's lots of courses out there, finance for marketers, finance for marketers. But what's missing is marketing for finance people. <laughs> so we talk about marketers fearing finance, but, but finance people fear marketing as well. You know, they go to the they go to the marketing team and they say, you know, my accounting package and this Excel model only accepts ones and zeros essentially. So can you please just give me the answer in, in numerical form? And then the marketer, you know, gives them an answer in, you know, two paragraphs. <laughs> and the, the, the finance just person feels, uh, well, I'm going around a circle. I can't plug that into my model. You know, and and I don't think that's the marketer's fault or the finance person's fault. I actually think it's the you know, the systems for for tracking and managing and um uh, reporting on and displaying what that return investment just isn't fit for purpose. Um, and I think at, in much bigger enterprises that have much more sophisticated technologies and modeling, um, I think that is somewhat feasible, but becomes much more of a challenge um, depending on the size of, of the business. Um, so, and I think that would give marketers comfort if they knew the finance people were just as terrified, <laughs> you know, um, I think it would help open those doors of, of empathy and reciprocation much more. Yeah. Cause it, it, it's a bit like when people, people are scared of like spiders and stuff like, and, and unless you're in like Australia and you've got those big scary spiders, a little small spider, like it's just as scared of you as you are of it um, because you don't understand each other. You don't understand what movements are going to make you. The, the shape of your body is completely different. It's pretty similar when it comes to, to marketing and, and finance. So it, is there a way to open up those kinds of conversations until we get these kinds of like sophisticated modeling um, platforms that can help finance to see the benefits of marketing more clearly? What are the conversations that, marketing teams can have that CMOs can have with the, the finance department to open up these kinds of avenues of conversation? Uh, well, I found um, one way I do it is that I explain everything, whether they want me to explain it or not. <laughs> so, uh, and I do that with my own team as well. So, if, you know, they come to me and say, look, here's this opportunity or here's this spend. Um, should we do it or not? I will always say, yes, we should do it. But here's here are the seven or eight reasons why we should and and I and or here's the seven or eight reasons why we shouldn't and just get into that habit of informing them because a lot of the time they don't know what questions to ask because they don't know what they don't know and that's the marketing team as well as the finance team so um if the finance manager comes to me and says you know we need to you know this is coming up for renewal here are some things about it. They're looking up the cost, or whatever it might be. Um, and they can't see that it correlates with any specific amount of lead generation or revenue or anything like that. I won't just go back and say, look, we need to do it. Can you just look, I'm approving it. I'm the CMO, I'm approving it. It's coming out of my budget, just get it done. I'll actually either get on a call, get on a Slack call, get on a Zoom or put an email and explain the reasons why. And in a very, I'm sharing the information here and I've really found um the, the appetite to learn, but the finance team's appetite to learn and understand that, um, it's really potent. 
And I don't think many people take the time to explain this stuff because it's usually generally, uh, you know, answer the finance team and, you know, get that off my table or get them off my back or they're, and it's just a bit more of a, I think, of a, a toxic and driven by the fear bit, right? But if you actually take the, the time to educate them as well, um, there's a real appreciation there. But look, it takes time. It takes it takes effort to do that um, and patience to do that. But I just think it's incredibly important. Um, and I, I just feel like I've, I've benefited, my team have benefited hugely by um, opening those doors of conversation. And actually, it's you know been fabulous as well. There's been amazing ideas just come out of left field from the finance team and other teams because you will plant a seed around why you do something or don't do something in marketing. They go away and they mull it over and you've opened up something in them and then they come back and they say, well, what about doing X? And just think, wow, yeah, fantastic, great idea. And then they're bought into it and they're going to support it. Um, and I know it's a, it's a slightly off topic, but I find that with our compliance team, you know, you know, generally compliance are, are, are start generally worse than finance or they certainly have the perception of being that it's no to everything. But actually, I find the opposite to be true of our own compliance team. It's like, OK, here's the cliff edge. We're not going to go over that, but let's have a very open conversation about how we can get as close to that edge as possible, but, but stay, stay upright. Um, so, again, it comes down to relationships, Will. You know, if you can have that open, safe relationship with counterparts in in the and I'm in inverted commas say in the no departments, yes. um, you know, you can turn a lot of those no's into into yeses. And, and as you said, turn them into actual ideas, producing aspects of the yeah. business as well. Um, I, I always find like the the best marketing departments I've worked in aren't just like a bit an insular thing. They do work very closely with other departments, and you get some great ideas that way. So. I'm looking forward to the day that the finance department is coming coming to me with great ideas. That'd be wonderful. Um, <laughs> so you met like circling back a little bit um, when you mentioned um, like what you look for when you're hiring, like does everyone on your team have to have this interest in the finance side the, or, or the willingness to learn that, that side of the finance, um, that finance side of marketing? Like, would you, I mean, of course they'd have these, a little bit interested since you're since you're in fintech like you wouldn't get a marketer who says i'd hate finance completely but like say you say someone you got a cv across your desk and it ticked all the boxes in terms of like great data analysis great creative ideas like great um great record in previous roles but when you spoke to them it just didn't seem like they'd be that interested in taking ownership of like the finance side of things would you just dismiss them or is there's still a space for that kind of person in your, in your business. Like say like someone who's hundred percent creative focused, for example, like do they have to take ownership of financial side of things when it comes to your, your marketing sort of framework? No, not at all. And look, it's, it all depends on the um, potential career progression of that person. And I will always be very open to anybody coming in in a junior role. And I'll ask them when I'm interviewing them, you know, what, what is the vision for yourself in the future? You know, do you eventually want to be a, you know, chief brand officer do you eventually want to be running a team of designers like where are your aspirations and i'll know if if the person's aspiration is i just want to design all day long i want nothing but the responsibility to deliver my um creative design excellence on time um all the time then i'd say okay great 
I know then that that's where your capacity is at and, and that's what your um, learning and development path will be built around that and that we'll know as you as a resource in the team, that is the maximum that we're potentially going to get from that. So that doesn't discount that person at all, but that's just us, that person coming in and me bringing them in with eyes wide open in terms of what the, the value of that human resource would be. But if somebody says to me, look, I really hate numbers. I don't like finance, but I want to be a chief creative officer or I want to I want to manage a creative team of 20 people all around the world I say fantastic but if you want to get there you're going to have you're going to own a budget and you're going to um, need to own the numbers and understand the numbers and you know here are the different stages of the progression of your career where the responsibility and ownership for those numbers gets deeper and deeper and if they're still bought into that track and they appreciate that there's no hiding from the numbers then you know, they're 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 open to it then, and that's when it comes to the attitude. So, um, aptitude is one thing, but if they have the attitude then to learn because there's a motivation there, it's a different story. So, no, in short, it absolutely doesn't discount people at all. Um, there's so much more value. Not everybody wants to um, go up the ramp and and you know, get into much more of the people management and the numbers management, which what happens when you go up along. I even point like I love the creative side of it. And, you know, when my team dropped me a note to help out with some copy, like I'm like, yes, can't wait to get in and get into the get into it because I don't get to do that every day anymore. And that's just the reality now of being at the C-suite. I am in numbers and Excel sheets and strategy documents and um, you know, people management and the HR side, like that's where I spend most of my time. And, but I think that's reality, no matter where you are in the C-suite, if you come up the operations line, the finance line, the um, HR line, that's where you'll spend your your time um, when you're in the C-suite. So um, that's just something I think that we, we all have to accept. So there's probably quite a few listeners who are thinking like you're in quite an advantageous position when it comes to this. This approach where you've got the finance background and also you're in fintech so you you have people who are maybe not naturally inclined towards finance and numbers but they have to have at least a little bit of interest otherwise you couldn't market about it what about people who don't have those resources available don't have that that sort of like team that's got natural inclination to it like they you mentioned there's, there's courses like finance for marketers and stuff but when it comes to like setting up this process in the team where finance is more owned by marketing. What are the first steps that a CMO should take when they're looking into bringing that on board in their own business? Like what, what would be the first step in, in your opinion? Coming from my position, the first thing I did was um, open up the budget um, to my whole team and actually line by line go through and talk about everything where money has been spent because I actually found um, and even when first coming into Currency Fair you know each of the different functions within marketing they had they knew the tools and the spend that they were having but weren't necessarily au fait with what the where all the rest of the money was being spent and there'll be lots of other tools and um uh, spending happening that you know not everybody in the team is aware of. So the first thing I did was bring everybody into the fold. Here is where this you know really big budget, and it seems like we have a really big budget. But this is how quickly when you distribute it amongst all these different budget lines, this is how quickly it 
um, it gets spent. And here's the reality of it. And it actually starts as simple as that. And then as, you know, regularly then um, we'll go through the budget, talk about it. And like I said, um, uh, in answer to an earlier question, allocating line items to to people so that they take ownership they're watching it they're looking at the spend every month you know i i get my team to approve an invoice for instance before i approve it and that means they have the responsibility to go and make sure that you know the the invoice is um correct and that the supplier is is submitting the right thing and and just that ownership bit and and the team just being uh, familiar and comfortable with um having part of the approval process helps that along and it's just those it's very simple it's just a bit of administration but immediately it just becomes part of the day-to-day and then as you're leaping forward then and asking to you know, if a proposal comes through from somebody in the team, they say, look, I really think we should um, get involved in this sponsor, this award. You know, they're not as afraid then when I say, OK, well, here are the things I need you to go away and think about, you know, how many how much time um, will your team spend on preparing for that submission for that award, for instance? Um, what is the likelihood that we're going to win it? You know, how much do you think we'd need to spend in activation um, of before the award and after the award. And there are answers that they can find out just within their own department. They don't even need to go to finance or elsewhere. And all of a sudden then they're coming back with data that they found in research. And then you're having the conversation about that. And it's those just little stepping stone approach to it being part of the everyday conversation rather than a, here's our end of year review. We're just now all going to talk about numbers and everybody's eyes just, you know, um, roll in their head or they just dart out the door or call in as a sick date because they're just avoiding the hell out of it. You know, it's just like, all right, this is just another conversation around numbers and finance. Um, and I, like, familiarity is the most important thing and the day-to-day and including including people in the conversation. Well, that's really what it comes down to. So just to, just to play devil's advocate for a second, like I'm sure there's quite a few marketers out there who... Their, their process when it comes to coming up with strategy, when it comes up with creative ideas, is they, they start with a big idea and then start to reshape it so it fits into the financial possibilities. If you've got this financial thinking going on throughout, throughout your creative process, does that mean you're not shooting for the big ideas? Is there a danger you're going to be too conservative with your ideas because you're always thinking about costs? That is a, a really good point. And look, it is, it's definitely a concern and, and something that I do watch myself on. And not even just from a, a, a marketing cost perspective. You know, in my um, former fintech, um, although I was CMO, I was essentially number two to the CEO and um, was sitting on the board also. So the costs across the whole business, mm-hmm. particularly when we were a young business. So, you know, needing to pay salaries every month was a very real cost that I was very close to needing to be considering. It wasn't just about do I max out my marketing spend this month? So um, I am I'm definitely very cognizant of what it means from even just a cash burn and runway for a business as a whole. And look, I've, I've worked. I tend to be in startups and scale-ups, right, where, um, you know, you, you might be well capitalized, but there's always a runway and there's always an end of that runway. So, um, and I think I really appreciate that that's the experience that I have and that's the mindset that I, I can come from because I, 
I I know two things. One, uh, the runway, um, you can't stretch that by just cost saving alone. You actually need to be able to lengthen that runway. And that's done by growth, uh, growth in the business, growth in revenue. So I always look at it from that perspective. How do I make sure not to overshoot the runway, but at all times try and lengthen it? And that's always where I'm thinking as a, as a CMO. Um, and look, I, you know, I'm, I suppose where I, the other facets that come into mind is revenue, for instance. So, you know, as marketing, I um, own that revenue line and, you know, there are um, decisions that I need to make if I want to overhaul our portfolio of channels. And, you know, that means that a bit like a spring clean, it's going to have a, an impact on the revenue line it might drop temporarily, um, but then hopefully jump back up based on the changes we made. I have to bear in mind that, you know, Although I might know that that's only going to be for short term, the revenue being volatile in any way is going to have a number of different effects on the business. It's going to impact the business's, um, you know, potential credit profile if we're going out to raise debt finance. You know, the fact that there's jumps or volatility in the revenue line is is going to be a consideration there. Um, Even just from a company valuation or future investment, investors are going to be looking what happened there. uh, there's a number of different factors that I need to be considering. So, um, and, and this is the hybrid of thinking about, here's me as a business leader and, you know, needing to think about the wider implications of what marketing does, as well as um, thinking about just the, within the confines of marketing itself. And look, that's just a balance that I have to have to take. Does it stop me from a creative perspective? What I have found is the best way to, um, and probably not the best way to describe it, but get around that is make sure that you have an incredibly strong, uh, a very robust narrative around why that volatility is happening. So if I'm doing a complete overhaul of my portfolio of acquisition channels, because the original portfolio was, even though it was driving user growth, it wasn't driving profitability. So, you know, we're um, taking a um, a dip in user growth in order to um, go after a more profitable uh, customer base, for instance. So, yes, we're taking a dip in revenue early on, but actually the impact of profitability and retention based on these new channels is going to be better for business value long forward. If you can go to your, your CEO, your CFO, or your board and provide them with that narrative and really stand behind it with authority and you know your experience, they're fine with that. And then that's the narrative that can be explained to the bank, can be explained to investors. And I think actually that's where marketers struggle a little bit is they know this, this um, correlation piece is for real, but they probably struggle, the, struggle with the confidence to really um, um, discuss it with authority that um, our stakeholders feel very comfortable with the reasons why. Um, and that's probably, uh, look, that's an experience piece. And again, an education piece. Um, and it's not necessarily that you have to go off and do a course in finance for marketers. Even the likes of HubSpot, HubSpot are phenomenal at putting out uh, very digestible content around um, the different facets of how marketers um, work with other functions. And there's some great um, ebooks um, uh, and downloadables around finance for marketers um, that just gives you that introductory piece without you having to deep dive. Um, so hope that <laughs> answers it well it does it does indeed and then if you if you want that deep dive uh, the, as you said those courses are available um maybe just 
I'm, I'm just conscious of the the time. Um, we could talk all day about what marketers need from finance and what finance needs from marketers, but maybe just to wrap things up, what do you think are the three golden rules for a marketing department to work well with a finance department? Like what, 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 what needs to be in place like as, as, as a, a sort of sum up of what we've discussed today? Number one, 100% relationship. Build those relationships, in, invest in it, invest in the time to get to know the finance team, um, just like marketers do with the other functions. Don't leave it down to uh, just we happen to be on meetings regularly. So that's how the relationship builds up. If you're not on regular meetings with the finance team, reach out. I know it was easier back in the water cooler days when we were not all working from home, but you know, a Slack message. Let's have a quick catch up, a co- uh, catch up about coffee. I have some questions around finance. Do you mind if I just pick your brain on it? I can tell you most finance people would be absolutely beside themselves that somebody has taken the interest, is interested in and wants to learn about what they do. Um, you know, so take the effort. That's the, that's the very first part of it. The second bit is, you know, Ask your your manager, your manager's manager, you know, the people who are actually having to uh, work with numbers because it is part of their job description. You know, ask them to take some time. Say you're interested in learning about it. Um, And look, that's advice for for all levels, because I've seen people move up the the levels in marketing and and manage and manage to avoid the finance. Um, But, you know, you, you get caught with it eventually. But, you know. Make part of the your own learning and development. Put your hand up to say, "I'd like to learn about this." Um, and you know, you're you're never going to get a no. Um, and if there's um, learning and development programs in your company, then um, as the CMO or as the leader, you know, make sure that those kind of things are made available. You know, actually proactively, um, you know, ask your learning and development person or your HR department to make these kind of um, skills and training courses available. Encourage your team, incentivize them to do it. You know, it could be um, lots of different ways to incentivize it. You know, make it part of the their annual objectives or quarterly objectives to upskill in this area. And it doesn't have to be go away and get a, a you know, management accounting qualification it could be you know just go and listen to five podcasts around finance for marketing and then come back to me and write a one pager about what you learned there's very digestible things that can be done that isn't overwhelming and you know it's about you investing in your team as well Um, if you really want to create a successful succession plan and bring your marketing team up along the way this this is a skill and a capability that they're going to have to learn so um, it's not um, nice to do or nice to have. It's a do it and have it. Oh, that's a great note to end on. Do it, have it, get it done. Thank you very much, Andrea. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'm sure it'll be very valuable to uh, hopefully not just marketers, but also finance people if they happen to listen to this as well. To, to know that we are thinking about them. We are trying to do our, do our best by them. Um, but, so uh, thank, you, thank you to the listeners as well. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, and we'll be back soon with more CMO Combos.